You are listening to the next Visible podcast and the final in the post-show series following Roundelay from the Southwark Playhouse London and hosted by myself, Claire French. The upcoming discussion features writer of Roundelay and artistic director of Visible, Sonia Linden, in conversation with her daughter, Nina Linden, who herself is a long-time theatre maker and currently co-director of Hackney Showroom. Together, they unveil the extent to which Roundelay and Sonia's former work have been inspired by her personal narrative. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Nina. Um, I'm the co-director of Hackney Showroom, which is a creative and cultural arts centre in East London. And I'm going to be asking Sonia a few questions, and I hope it can just be a really relaxed discussion, and you can ask a few questions as well. And I was going to start off by saying... Weird. <laughs> this is weird. <laughs> weird. Um, I was going to say about my first experience of theatre, which is what made me... I guess, do what I'm doing now, which was when Sonia wrote her first play and I was 10 years old and uh, I went up to Edinburgh Festival for the first time and um, first time going to the Fringe and being in those very small venues and being right up close and seeing the work up close. I was sitting there in the front row and saw my first... It's very fitting, actually, for Roundelay, but I saw my first stage kiss... And this couple were right in front of me giving this incredibly smouldering kiss and I was completely shocked and captivated and hooked ever since. And it wasn't my play, actually. No, it wasn't your play. <laughs> and so I was going to ask you, because you were 40, was that when you wrote your first play? Yes. yes. Which I guess is late for some writers. Yes. So what was the journey that brought you to writing at that moment in your life? Well, actually, it was an age journey because... I was coming up for the age of 40, which I thought was old. I mean, it's ridiculous, because I'm 70 now, and, I, and that's old. But, I mean, so that was one of the things. I had been um, a teacher for many years. I was teaching English to adults from all over the world. Absolutely loved it. Um, really enjoyed teaching. But I got to the stage when I was 39, when I thought, I need to do something else. I can't just do the same thing all my life. And I'd always been good at writing. I had a facility for writing. And it was a sort of actress manquee, but I was terrified of being on stage or learning lines. So I thought, I'll write a radio play, and then maybe they'll let me be in it, which was incredibly naive of me. So I then thought, I'll try and write a play. And at the time, that was in the mid-'80s, um, now there's a whole sort of proliferation of creative writing courses and workshops. That didn't exist. I found one radio workshop that I went to for one day, and I met the, the ex-head of BBC Radio 4, who was very encouraging. And I thought, in order... Sorry, I'm taking very long to answer this question. Sorry, because we should get back to Roundley, but never mind. Um, I thought, in order to... You know, I'm a new writer. I'm old. I'm <laughs> 39. I thought that was old. Um, and how can I make an impact on, you know, the BBC script department? So I thought, I'll have to write something really unusual what can I write about? Most writers write about things that they know, especially new writers. And I searched my brain and I thought, well, last year I went to Japan and I taught a Japanese professor privately and he had invited me over. 
And it was an amazing experience because he lived in a very traditional house. I slept in a room which was empty and just had a futon that I rolled out every night. And I watched him and his wife and I thought it was fascinating. So I sat down to write a play about an English teacher, haha, a woman like me, who went to Japan and lived with a Japanese family and began to realize that the Japanese wife was completely dominated by her husband and her mother. And she... When this young woman from England came, it was like a breath of fresh air, and she told her her life story through the different tenses in the story. So it was called present continuous, and there was future perfect, and there was past imperfect, and things like that. So that was my first play, and it did get onto the radio, which was amazing, and it did go to the Edinburgh Festival with a student production, and that's how Nina got introduced into theatre. So that was a long answer. So the answer was... I felt that I needed to do something, and I, I had the feeling that I wanted to make an impact, which is a strange thing when I look back on it. I wanted to kind of make an impact. I didn't just want to go on doing the same thing, and I felt that I could write, and then that started a whole new life for myself. I reinvented myself as a writer. And had you had influences? Were there writing that influenced you or work? I mean, did you work, see plays or...? I didn't. I wasn't an avid theatre goer. I just went to the theatre in a sort of normal way. So I can't say that I was had these huge influences or was even particularly influenced by particular playwrights. Um, subsequently, I think that there are certain plays I would say, or certain writers that I've found remarkable, and certain plays that stand out for me. You know, I wish I had written them. I wish I'd written, for example, Six Characters in Search of an Author, which is a Pirandello play, or I wish I'd written The Island by Athol Fugard, or I, I wish I'd written The Visit by Durinmat, or The Fire Raisers by... So interesting, I was... All these plays, I don't know if they have something in common, but they all have a slightly surreal element. Some of them have a surreal element, or Breaking the Fourth Wall... Um, or in some ways subverting something. So there's a, I don't know, there are certain plays that stand out for me in modern classics, but I haven't had a huge influence. But in terms of creating theatre as a company, and particularly this company, I have deeply admired certain continental companies. For example, there's a theatre in Paris by a very famous director called Ariam Nushkin, who is now in her 70s too, but she's run an ensemble for 40 years. And uh, her work, which is stunning and beautiful and ensemble and big casts on stage, um, I find her, her, she's deeply influenced me. I, I well, influenced the way I would aspire to be, particularly with this company. And uh, there's another very famous company in Canada Notice I'm always going out of the country. Canada, Robert Lepage, who, whose work is just beautiful. And I, I sort of beauty on stage. Beauty is actually one of the things that I sort of hallmarked as something that I aspire to with this company visible. And the complicity, of course, which, of course, is a wonderful company and very inspiring. And some of their work, like The Master and Margarita or, you know, Shunkin wonderful thing. So these you know, inspire me as a theatre maker, I suppose. And to ask you about Roundelay. Yes. Are there any, I guess there are any sort of surprises or things that are unexpected that you learnt about doing the project that you didn't, didn't expect? When I wrote Roundelay? Um, well, the first, the first 
um, piece of theatre that we did with this company was actually drawing stories from the ten actors themselves, two of whom are in this show as well. And then I was, I mean, I wouldn't say I was editor because I wrote some scenes, but I sort of almost dramaturged it and brought it all together. But what I loved about writing Roundelay, it wasn't specific to the play, was the fact that I could actually just create the whole play myself. And I, I love writing. And so the joy of going back to actually writing and imagining and creating, which is something I did with my very first play, but then I slightly went sideways and I wrote a lot of things that were drawn for real life stories where I wasn't imagining, but of course I was imagining, but I was drawing it on a sort of historical research. So I love coming back to imagining and writing imaginative work. But also I discovered I loved writing about love. And it's been so lovely to come and see the show. And there are certain moments I sort of look at the audience, particularly at the end, to write a love story for older people or to talk about, you know, the love in a long marriage. And I, it's been lovely. And also in the rehearsals to share that with the actors because at the beginning of rehearsals you sort of unpack, you unpack all the scenes, you, you dig into the characters and, and actors... I've said this before in post shows are very generous. They share their stories. So it was wonderful to share love stories, good, bad, indifferent, you know. So, um, I mean, I think that's as far as I can go in answer to that question. So do you, do you have a favourite of the acts or a favourite scene or one that you feel particularly connected with? Or I definitely have favourite moments and moments. And some of the moments are not text moments, for example, there's the moment when the older and the younger woman um, have that... The mirroring. Yes, it's beautiful. I, that, that always nearly makes me cry. And I do remember that, I mean, some of these scenes that you see between the scenes were actually written in the text, and some of them being followed almost literally to my amazement. And some of them have been changed because they didn't quite work out, or the movement director had another idea. And that one, I think I did change it. You know, the idea was there, particularly the idea of the hands and comparing hands. Because I do remember as I got older, I remember looking at my hands, I don't know, 10 years ago, thinking, these aren't my hands. Because suddenly, I, hands really show age. And it was just... So that is an echo in, in the scene, which I very much like, when Evelyn, the moments when Evelyn talks about the struggle of coming to terms with being older. You know, and recognize and being in sort of denial. Uh, so I love that moment, and I also love, um, I think, that moment of the, the kiss between the two men. You know, that sort of moment. That's another moment that I like very much. But I like very much the scene Sundays, and and also touch. I mean, I like it all, but these are the things that. Some of the things that have moved me, and I moved at the ending as well. You know, so and I love. I love quite a lot of it. Shouldn't really, because it's my own play. But <laughs> and were there, which were the scenes or the acts that were harder to write? Okay, um, I've got to think back now because it's it's a while since I wrote it. Um, Strangely enough, the last scene I wrote a number of times. I kept rewriting it. In essence, it stayed the same. It's the only scene which has got three characters in it. And I thought it was nice to bring it full circle back to, you know, the story of the first woman. And then you see her daughter and the repercussions. The scene that was most difficult to write. Um, 
none of them were really that difficult to write. I, I kind of wrote it with ease, which was quite interesting, because you always think, if you're writing it with ease, is it any good? You know, so... Um, and I, I guess it would be nice to ask you all. Um, well, first of all, if anyone of you have any questions, but I was going to ask if any of you had a favourite of the scenes or acts, as they are, um, or that an act that particularly resonated with you that you'd like to ask a, a question about? Yeah, I, um, I really liked the scene with the... Um, who was the younger guy who was living with... Yes. Um, yes. Um, the scene where he gets into bed with her. I, I really liked that because um, I think, yeah, it did spoke about um, aging and coming to terms with aging, but I think that was the scene where I could most strongly see the crossover between young and mm. old, and you could really find the, 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 the echoes, as you said, the, the relevance for both young and old there, um, which I think was really, really strong. Um, I just wanted to ask, though, um, how did the whole idea of the circus come about? Because I think that was a really great format to sort of bring all these loose ends together. But I wondered uh, if there was any other kind of um, bigger reference there that, that you thought about when you were developing it. Well, actually, I, I always wanted the, it to be, uh, obviously, a series of short exchanges with this evolving, you know, the, ch the daisy chain of couples. And it, originally I thought, because I knew that La Ronde was a translation of the original German Reigen, which means a medieval round dance. So the original concept in my mind was that you would have a dance between each scene. And at the end of each dance, you would have the new couple facing each other and different types of dancing. But then when I got to the end and I'd written all the scenes, I just felt that I needed to create a sort of a unity and um, I then did start to think about the metaphors of, of round and circus came up. And then this, the ringmistress came into my head, you know, um, felicitously, just like that. It was one of these sort of moments. And um, I wrote the ringmistress's speech. I think I sent it to you, and I think I sent it to you, Claire. And you encouraged me to keep going because I thought, you know, is this going to work? How is this going to work with all the other scenes? Um, and then I just took it from there. And it's, also, it's no coincidence that the, the form of the circus is very physical. Yeah. And you chose, yes. perhaps consciously, to have a physical format for a company of older actors, which is... Yes, because it was my ambition that with the company, there would be quite a lot of physicality because I was so enamoured of these continental companies, I've told you, whether it's all complicity, which has a lot of physicality. I did want to have that. And, and also because I wanted to inspire people about older people, you know, inspire particularly young people about older people, as well as cheering up older people about older people, because the idea that, you know, people can still move, you know, <laughs> on scene. And of course, we did have one much older actress who doesn't move that well, and she was quite, kept saying, are you sure you want me? This is Evelyn, who, of course, was absolutely amazing. Um, I said, doesn't matter. That's the whole point. The whole point is that, you know, in ages, you know, what, what is age? I mean, if we're talking about being older, the span can be from, what, 50, from 60 to 90. That's a huge span. That's quite a few generations there. So, you know, we wanted the whole spectrum of age. And this time we did have young... The first show we only had... We didn't have younger people, apart from in the rehearsal room. We had one young intern in the rehearsal room who was so engaging and so 
the interchange between him and the older actors was so wonderful, and they learned from each other, they sparked off each other. It sort of gave me the idea, oh, why don't I have intergenerationality you know, in the show? So, um, so I like that, and that's why that scene, really that scene is, even though he does get into bed with her, and in fact it's quite interesting, it's slightly, yeah, what, what happens was a bit more ambiguous in the script. Not that much more ambiguous, but a bit more ambiguous in the script. Um, so, um, but really, I, for me, it was a story about how you can have love in so many different ways, and it doesn't have to be sexual love. It, that wasn't sexual love, really, in my opinion. It was just love between two people who felt so deeply about each other across the age divide, and I thought that's what I was trying to communicate. Is there another question over here? I just thought it was so poignant. I don't see how it, it worked because of the beauty of youth, as you were saying. And I think without the youth and the... The, uh, the silks. The woman, the silks. And yeah. The, and the, and the, when, what, when watching, when looking. And yes. Just the gorgeousness of youth and we, how we Absolutely, change. yes, yeah, and youth is poignant. beauty. And she does say, yeah. well, you know, she openly says, well, you know, older bodies are not beautiful, you know, not considered to be beautiful, but it does take a different type of seeing, maybe. You know, he sees beneath, you know, her wrinkled skin. Did anyone else want to ask any questions? I didn't particularly want to ask a question, but I did uh, agree with the gentleman before that that was a particularly lovely scene with Evelyn and the young man, and I thought you brought out a, a most lovely truth and tenderness about love between humans, mm. and, it doesn't, and that age becomes immaterial. Mm. And I just want to congratulate you. Oh, it was thank you. Lovely and That's lovely, thank and you. I enjoyed it, thank you. Would anyone else like to ask a question? Again, like my friend Vivian here, I don't really want to ask a question, but I just, I've, I've come to see this play um, because my friend Doreen is in it. Oh. And um, <laughs> um, I haven't seen Doreen for a long time, but we first met when we were very young in our, in our early 20s. Really, yes. Um, so, so Doreen plays Gina. She, yeah, she does. She falls she's in wonderful. love in the last scene. It's so lovely to see her. And damn her, she hasn't aged at all. No. <laughs> and um, I have. And it's just, it was doubly, it was a beautiful play. I just want to say thank you very much. It was just gorgeous. Um, but I just wanted to say it was especially poignant suddenly seeing Doreen, who I've not seen for many years. And um, it just brought back our youth because we met in our early 20s as me and Vivian here, we met in our early 20s as well. So it's that whole thing of age mm. and just coming to terms with getting mm. older. And it mm. was just so lovely and poignant to see Doreen there. Yes. Um, after all these years. Looking very young. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do you know what you will be doing next? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've had a few ideas, but it's too early to say, actually. Just keep going, I think. And could you tell us a little bit about, because I know that you don't just have written the play, but and you've mentioned the previous play that you wrote as part of Visible, mm. but could you tell us a little bit about the company, about Visible Theatre Ensemble? Yes. Well, it started, I would say, about four years ago. At the end of 2012, I had, been, I had run another company before that, which was um, called Ice and Fire, which still exists, and that was very much about creating stories about human rights. Originally, it was about refugees 
and asylum seekers, because I did a lot of work as a writing facilitator with victims of, of torture and persecution. So I spent about 10 years with that company, actively maybe seven, and founded the company. And then I got to the stage, a bit like with when I started to become a writer, I thought, um, I need to do something different because these are very dark stories, even though I had to find light. And I felt I wanted to be free to write something else. And then I had this slightly mad idea that I'd like to create an ensemble for older actors. Ensemble because I was inspired by continental ensembles and the sort of work that an ensemble does. Um, not realizing that ensembles actually grow and that most ensembles start when people, if for example, this French one I was talking about, the Théâtre du Soleil, that started when most people were students together and then they grow and 40 years later they're still together. Well, you know, if you start an ensemble and your actors are 70, you know, or 80 in some cases, you know, how, how, how long have you got to sort of develop an ensemble? So the idea of ensemble is now more to do with ensemble and creating a piece together, but not necessarily staying together all that time. So I thought because I'm older, and older I know is a euphemism, I'm probably old, but I say older. It was very difficult when I started the company to say, what word do you use? Do you use old, do you use older, do you use elder? You know, there's so many words which are trying to disguise the fact it's all about elderly. So I thought it would very, be very interesting to explore, um, to write stories of content about the whole issue about being old today in today's society, because we are amazingly, apparently living 30 years longer than at the beginning of the 20th century. We're now in the 21st century. So we have extended our life uh, considerably. We're all living longer and healthier in the main. Not everybody. It's a slight postcode lottery there. But we do have a longer life, and we're fitter and younger and more energetic. So we're still active and engaged with society. A lot of people are. And so I don't think there is work. There's work on stage to reflect that. So I wanted to write plays that reflected that new, relatively new reality. And also, I had quite a few friends who were older actors. They were in their late 60s or even in their 80s. And they said whenever they go up for a part, it's always to play somebody with Alzheimer's. Now, I did have a scene with Alzheimer's, but that's not the vision of the company. I don't want to... I mean, I thought that was important, but actually the scene was, for me, was more about the husband... You know how, how do you how do you manage how do you manage that terrible thing of losing your your loved one disappearing? So I sort of felt that I wanted to write plays that would were, were, were positive about aging. Though of course I would include elements like that, but I did want to write. I thought there's a whole raft of stories that can be told because you know we're just like everybody else. You know the same sort of things happen to you. So that was sort of why I wanted to form the company. And it's a unique company. It's the only company in the UK, professional theatre company, that is solely dedicated to writing stories about older people. Absolutely brilliant and so inspiring. It's really, <laughs> I didn't know it was the only company yeah. that did that work. I think that's it. Unless anyone wants to ask any other questions, or anyone wants to, there's a couple at the back there. Thank you very much. Um, I enjoyed it enormously. I thought the writing was fantastic. Um, Thank you. I know other people did here as well, as well as the acting. It was a very entertaining evening. And it, it's, it's enormously rich. I just wish that everybody wouldn't limit it to the question of age, or even well, the question of love, point. actually, because, no, because there's so point. much more to take away from it. And yes. 
No, well, thank um, you for saying that, because that, that's something to reflect on. Thank you very much. Let's have a drink. That brings us to the end of our series of post-show podcasts for Roundelay by Sonia Linden, directed by Anna Ledwich in its premiere production at the Southwark Playhouse London. Thanks for listening, and you shall be hearing from us very soon. Ciao for now.